Hey there, it's Joy Foster, founder of Tech Pixies, and I am delighted to bring you a very unique podcast. So we've been talking a lot about earning what you're worth, and uh, and we've talked a lot about getting started with things you're afraid of. Um, we've had a lot of fun this year, but what I really want to talk about is changing career. Uh, and this is the perfect opportunity to do this because COVID has created an environment where people really do have to change their careers and they have to innovate and they have to do something different uh, in order to you know, move forwards, especially in this environment. So I have a very special guest today uh, and her name is Jane. And so Jane, uh, welcome to the Tech Pixies podcast. Thank you so much. And tell us why you are probably not like most of our guests on the show. Uh, most of our guests on the show tend to be freelancers or entrepreneurs in the, uh, in the tech space or business space or marketers. <laughs> what makes you different? Why are you different than most people? Um, I, well, first of all, my, my whole life is about film and um, film and TV. And um, I started quite late doing this uh, at age 50. So I kind of think that now that I've got to a certain level um, of success, I'd like to be an inspiration to other women, you know, that even at 50 or, you know, older even, there's always a chance to do what you really want to do, you know, what you love and, um, you know, to to start something afresh. I mean, I was slightly in the business, but I had, um, I had f uh, five girls and we've got quite um, uh, a sort of countryish house. So I had all that to look after. And I taught in between the children, a little bit of drama and art. And um, then my younger daughter uh, wanted to be an actress. And I thought, hmm, instead of teaching at school where it's much more theatre based, I thought, well, I really like this. I think I would like to become a director. And of course, that's the kind of thing, you know, at school or something. Someone says, well, you want to be a film director? You're never going to make it, you know. And I sort of have. So yeah. you sort of have. You really have made it. So <laughs> Jane is directing. Uh, well, you've written it as well. A show called The Night Riders. Is that right? Yes. Um, this is a, um, a historical period drama. Um, it's an absolute passion of mine. It was my it's the favorite thing I've ever written, the favorite thing I've ever sort of done. And I was I, it's kind of strange, but I was holding back because obviously you have to make steps in the film industry. So you start with short films and promotions or commercials or stuff like that. And you build up to a feature and then perhaps you go to television because if you think a show is, you know, a series is eight one hour films in a way. And um, a feature is even one and a half to two hours. So it's kind of bigger. And um, I don't know, it just kind of recently ran away with me and I thought, right, I'm just gonna do it. and. Uh, I'm just blown away with the people who supported me, the enthusiasm, everybody, well, it sounds very boastful to say, but everybody kind of wants to be in it or, or wants to be part of it. And I'm just, you know, kind of humbled by it, really. And um, Well, well, Tech Pixies wants to be a part of it as well. So we've come on as executive producers. Uh, now, the reason that I believed in it, number one, Jane's being very humble here. She has won so many awards in the work that she's done in the short period of time that she's been doing this work. But also, uh, she there's a whole story of women's empowerment in the Night Riders. And there's a, there's an even closer tie to Tech Pixies because one of our Tech Pixies, her daughter is one of your stars. Yeah, she is. Rosie Johnson is our, um, is a lead um, 
young lady in it. Uh, the story is about women's empowerment as much as a lot of other things. A lot of men are attracted to it because they like the pirates and the kind of politics and stuff like that. But um, Elizabeth Goodfellows, who is a squire's daughter who Rosie plays, she, um, she bucks against society um, where women were quite denigrated in those days. They were very second-class citizens. You know, they couldn't marry without their father's consent. They married who their father told them. They couldn't be educated. They certainly couldn't go to university. And um, I can't give too much of the story away, but she certainly makes a her own change in the system. And obviously, some of the women in it do suffer for, the, for that sort of um, railing against the system. So there's five main... Women, well, the, uh, Rosie uh, playing Elizabeth Goodfellow, she's the main lead. And then there's four other stories. Um, it's set in 1714, which is when George I came to the throne. Uh, so the other ladies in it are um, a rather spiteful and horrible aunt of Rosie's, but she, of uh, Elizabeth Goodfellow's. But she, um, you can see why she has got a dreadful life because even though she's wealthy, um, her husband is out in the West Indies and he has um, a mistress out there and children out there. He never comes to see her. And she's very dependent on her brother, um, who is Elizabeth Goodfellows, the squire. She's very, very dependent on him for her whole lifestyle. So she can't divorce because those days you couldn't divorce. She can't meet anybody else. She has nobody really in her life. So she she turns very bitter and and you know, that could happen to uh, somebody. So I think I, it does happen to people, unfortunately. I yeah, think that, you know, we does. don't live in the in the 18th century anymore, the 1700s anymore, but we, we, we are still fighting some things, you know, now, even in the 21st century, uh, that women are still being, you know, held back here and there, and we have to make an effort to really push ourselves through, don't we? And I think that positive attitude, that can-do attitude, and not not becoming spiteful, but instead, you know, embracing what's available to you is, is really the way forwards. Yes, that is true. So she is the sort of one of these, because you have to show all sides of, of um, you know, the complex and the complexity of, um, you know, women's rights and, uh, and women's um, attitudes in those days. So um, another um, person is the mistress of um, her husband, who lives in the West Indies and she has two boys by um, Sir, uh, Sir William Dean and uh, she is mixed race but we have a very interesting sort of um, concept here because she is half Spanish and half uh, black but she pretends to be Spanish because this is more acceptable and we sort of go into those kind of um, you know th uh, things in the in the um, in the story and of course the rather um, Marguerite, the, the rather spiteful aunt, you know, susses this out sort of straight away and tries to make her life as miserable as possible. One, because she's the mistress of her husband and one mm. because she's so prejudiced and racially prejudiced, which isn't a nice thing, but I wanted to show that that existed in those days. But she's quite a strong character, so we see her, you know, making, um, making her own life uh, from something that could be, you know, very difficult. Well, and that's, that also happens today. I mean, we're still living through prejudice and racism to yeah. a huge degree. And, uh, you know, the recent events have just highlighted the fact that we still are struggling with that. Yeah, she, she in the story, she, um, in the, the black slave trade, um, 
uh, Daisy, she's called, she uh, does go down to the markets and she kind of wants to buy everybody to give them a better life, you know, but she can't. But you can see her kind of trying to improve a situation that is awful and far more widespread than, you know, she can manage. But that's a little part of her story. And then we also have um, Esther the witch, and she is in, um, she's an apothecary's daughter in the village of the, the squire's village where um, Elizabeth and the squire and all the family live. Um, and she um, has to fight against the fact she has, um, her father was an apothecary and her grandfather was a seaman who's brought back all these um, magical otherworldly um, artifacts that she uses to see into the future and, you know, to give herbal remedies she can't be a doctor because she wouldn't be allowed to go to university. And again, without giving too much away, certain women even and men want to have her, you know, burnt at the stake, but she rises through that. So that's another story. Um, yeah, and I'm just trying to think of what the fifth one is now. Uh, <laughs> Don't give it all away, Jane. Don't give it all away. We're, we've, you've given enough. So, but I think that what's very fascinating about this whole thing is you know, here is, you know, probably at the moment, the work of your life, you know, there probably are other amazing pieces of art to come out of you still, but this, this is something you've always dreamt about, you've always wanted to do. And you had a career change in your 50s to, to become a writer and director. So talk about, talk about what you had to do, um, I suppose, mindset shift wise, in order to, uh, go ahead and do it because I would imagine that switching from being a teacher you know like a drama teacher that, that was raising five girls and looking after a country home switching from that into becoming a writer director but really believing you could do it not just oh I'm going to dabble in it but you're really going for it which you have and you've won all these awards for it and now you've got this incredible series that you're putting together what was what was going through your head like what were the what were the thoughts you had to overcome in order to make that career change um I think I probably have been always a little bit maybe impetuous and maybe overconfident, you know, I don't know, but I just thought I'm going to do it. And, you know, all the girls were growing up and you have to think, well, what actually am I going to do with my life? And it was something that I, I don't know how it happened. It just kind of overtook me. And um, I, I started um, various more famous film directors have said, just film. So I made a little film. It was called Blackberry Girl, because in those days, I don't know if you remember the Blackberry, that was the rage at the time, the phone. Um, you know, oh, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. But my daughters were like, you know, like they all are now, like glued to it. And I just thought it was hilarious because I'd, I'd, I'd grown up in a different you know, age. And I made this film about a girl obsessed with her phone. And I put it up on YouTube. I think it's seven minutes long. It's still there. Blackberry Girl. And um, it got 120,000 hits. <laughs> and I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> Actually, that kind of validates me. And I think I should go on, you know, making, um, making more films. And I, I just kind of continued on. I, I've always been writing, but I've never, I wrote plays for schools and stuff like that. Um, but I've always been writing, but I haven't done anything with it, you know, because I had, didn't have time or I didn't have the, as you say, the impetus to do that. But um, I suddenly thought, well, I, I have, and all, I am very creative, full stop. I like arty stuff and, you know, writing and, and what, what have you. So I had more space, I guess. That was the difference. So I think that perhaps around 50, a lot of women have their the family grown up 
maybe not not all women, but you know, so you suddenly have a, a much bigger space in which to do something for yourself and something that perhaps will make money or, you know, will bring you success and and something you enjoy. So I, I just kind of changed with in within that space. And that's interesting you say that because we we at Tech Pixies, we have a lot of women coming through our program at the moment who are in their 50s and some in their 60s as well. And it's always very interesting because after a while they stop doing it. But when they first come in, they'll say, I'm so and so and I'm 53 or I'm so and so and I'm 58 because it's it feels very definitive, you know, that you would say I'm I'm this age. And it's like, you know, it's it's almost like we talk a lot about the power of yet here, you know, so a lot of people say, well, I'm too old to learn how to use social media. And we always say, well, you're not too old yet, right? You're only as old as you allow yourself to be. No, that's true. And that, that was another thing. So then following Blackberry Girl, I, I went to um, City University and did short courses on things. Obviously it's, it's different for each industry that you want to go into. And I did a lot of short courses on things like, um, you know, Adobe Photoshop or, special effects and um, you know those kind of things so that was well up in and I think that's so important Um, and I've still got things I'd like to learn like um, you know MailChimp and stuff like that so there's so many different areas and each person has to pick the ones that suit them but social media it's taken me years to build it up and if I'd come to somebody like you I maybe I would have got there quicker but um yeah, I think that's really important too. I've got a lot of, of good things on social media and really helped me. Well, we like to say at Tech Big Seas that social media is one of the very first places you can validate your ideas and you can start to build a following. And as you build that following, it makes it a lot easier to launch things. So you've recently launched a crowdfunding campaign and actually the social media has allowed you to get that message out to a lot a much wider group of people. I mean, for example, I heard about it through Janine. So Rosie's mom, she shared it onto Facebook, of course. And then I clicked on it and now we've become executive producers. So you can see the power of social media um, just in, in, in leveraging it in that way. Yeah, it's, it's amazing for me. Um, I particularly uh, um, use fa- uh, Facebook and Twitter because I also cast on there too. And then you also get a following you know, people who want to be in your films when you win awards, they think, oh, I'd like to be in the next one, you know, whatever. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I noticed <laughs> in your crowdfunding, you're giving away, um, you know, uh, extras and things like that as part yeah. of the perks. So you can actually pay to be in it as a... You can, artist. yeah. Yeah, not uh, only as an extra, not as a part. Because, no, no, not, of yeah. course not. Of course not. Yes. But as an extra, you can support, you can support the crowdfunding campaign and then be an extra as well. Yes, that's um, that, that sort of seemed to work really well. Um, a lot of people want to be extras. I've done it before. And, um, you know, you have to remember people like Brad Pitt was once an extra. It can be a stepping stone. Some people are very snobby about it, say, well, I'll never be an extra because, you know, that's not acting. But actually, it is acting. And you can notice, um, I expect in your business too, so, so many people go through your, you know, hands, if you like. And certain people always do stick out and they're the ones that are quite kind of driven and very flexible and helpful and all those things. And if you get an extra like that, who just does everything they're told, turns up on time, is very enthusiastic. Well, you might think, actually, they could have a few lines in my next one and then, you know, and it grows. So it's really worth, you know, worth doing. And it's fun. It's fun to do as well. Well, I can't remember how it ended up happening, but I was an extra once. 
at a rave. I had to go to like I had to go to a, <laughs> and then I was also a student in a lecture hall. <laughs> okay. Those well, are, then you changed to Tech Pixies. So <laughs> yes. Well, and then I did a commercial once when I was on the US archery team. I did a commercial for the Olympics. Uh, actually, it was no, it wasn't for the Olympics, it was for the Asian Games. And of course, I um, had to have my hair dyed black and I had to have quite a lot of makeup done uh, to make me fit the part. And anyway, uh, the, the, the hair dye was supposed to be temporary and I ended up, and it wasn't. <laughs> and I end, ended up with quite the hairdo for a while after that. But, you know, it's, a, it's an incredible, I mean, the commercial itself that I was in was maybe, I don't know, 20 seconds long max. I mean, maybe even shorter than that. And uh, we were there for 10 hours at least, you know, with all the scenes they had to film and they were doing it in this hangar and it was, but it was incredible. Like for it to get the shot they wanted, it took an entire day. It was absolutely incredible to be a part of that. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So, um, so now where can people find out more about the Night Riders and start to follow you and engage with you? Well, I would love um, you to join our Facebook page, which is just, Night Rider TV. So quite easy to remember. Don't no no S, Night Rider TV. So we're on Facebook, on Twitter, we're the same, Night Rider TV. And then on my website, um, which is luminofilms.co.uk forward slash Night Rider TV. Um, then no wait, hold on. I just want to point out here. We talk a lot about branding at Tech Pixies, and that is exactly what we mean. It's making sure it's the same handle across all the networks and on the website. Look at how easy she made that for you all. Just pointing that out for those of you who who don't like to listen to me when I say get your branding right. That's a perfect example of why. Oh, thank you. I've done something right. That's, that's yes, you have. Yes, oh, <laughs> definitely. So yeah, so Lumino is L-U-M-I-N-O. Yes. Okay, yes. and then it's films with an yeah. S at the end dot com forward slash nightwriter. No, oh, sorry, apologies. So luminofilms.co.uk forward slash nightwriter TV. Yes. I so. definitely hope people go and follow you. I also hope people support you. Of course, Tech Pixies is 100% behind what you're doing. We, we believe in it to totally and fully. And also, I think what, what I'm excited about is the story of women's empowerment that comes out of it. But I'm, I'm really excited about the fact that there's a connection to the Tech Pixies family uh, and also um, just this wonderful opportunity to see and speak to someone who's had a huge career change, you know, really midlife. I mean, that's not, there's a lot of women don't have the courage to do that. So what would be your parting message for, for someone who's thinking in their fifties about doing a career change? Uh, and what, what would you, what would you tell them? I think embrace it, embrace it and do it. You have to be brave and um, anyone can do anything at any age. I think I'm not quite sure of his exact age, but Kentucky Fried Chicken, the man who did that, I think he was in his seventies or something you know, and then it all took off. So if you love it, um, just go ahead and try and, and, and move forward. And uh, yeah, do that. And when, when will people get to watch The Night Riders? Well, we are, we're doing this um, teaser trailer because um, first, because when you go forward, it's slightly different to filming. You, know, you make a film and then you go and sell it, uh, you know, for distributors. But when you do TV, you have to take it to the commissioners, which are all the people like broadcasting channels and um, streaming channels, you know, Netflix, BBC, Hulu, you know, all this stuff. And you have to have a package to show them. 
So the package would be our teaser trailer, proof of concept, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, a lookbook, which is called a TV Bible. It's a very, I don't like using the word Bible on it, but it's, that's what they call it in the industry. And that has, you know, a lot of visuals and information about everybody who's going to be in it. And then you put this forward and see if you get commissioned. So I don't know exactly when we're going to get commissioned, but I hope it's going to be, you know, next year, really soon. That's what and I would hope. And you've got, a, you've got a particular scene that you want to film in Cornwall, but it requires very particular costumes. Is that right? Yes, we've got an absolute, we're so lucky. We have this amazing costume designer called Richard Cook. He's presently on um, the BBC um, Harlots. I don't know if you've seen that, but you'll know that the costumes in it are out of this world. And one of the things that makes something look classy is having really superb costumes, which I think we did in the scene we've just shot with um, Elizabeth and John, the brother and sister who um, are in that scene. So the Squire's children, they've got absolutely stunning costumes. And Richard is very insistent that the whole, we don't drop standards, which is very good, we keep them up and we need for this um, wonderful scene we have, which is um, uh, villagers being uh, the pirates landing in a Cornish village and the villagers are captured. They obviously leave the children and the old ladies behind and old men and they take all the young, beautiful women and the men to build the Sultan's palace. And um, we this is a, there's a place called Charleston in Cornwall which has old pirate ships, genuinely real ones. And um, it also has a quayside with old 1700 cottages, original. I'm sure oh, they're amazing. inside, but yeah. So it's a perfect place and we need about 10 villagers, which people have bought these extra parts or, or contributed and got them as a perk, shall we say. And the same with pirates, um, but even though they very kindly have contributed the costumes are pricey and we would love to do this scene, but we've got to make it look, you know, amazing. We've got to pay for that pirate ship. We have to pay for the location, all the costumes, um, you know, and all, obviously all the crew behind it, you know, the camera, the sound, the, you know, tons of other, uh, other things. But that will be the very last, last scene. We can make a teaser with what we've got, um, but that will be the last, last scene that we would love to do and actually I forgot to say in this um joy that the story is set against the um if for people who don't know the story in 1714 um starts in 1714 ends in this series in 1720 and um it's basically about one stormy night um a squire's daughter with her beautiful red hair goes missing and is feared captured by Barbary pirates and the Barbary pirates who came from um, Morocco, ravaged the coast, the southern coast of England and um, Southern Ireland and Wales for um, over a hundred over years. And, and they actually took, including Europe, about a million white people to, um, to Morocco to build the Sultan's palace. The Sultan in history had 500 co concubines and four wives and he had the most children of a recorded children of anyone in history 888 I think and he was always on the lookout for new and beautiful women and he was particularly keen on the red-haired pale-skinned because he'd never seen it hardly before which came from the Cornish coasts and the southern Irish coasts and so he sent his captain in my story I don't know exactly what he did but 
um, it's very likely that he sent several captains, but in my story, he sent one captain out to get the most beautiful red haired he can find for him to be his concubine. So that is mixed in with the story. And we also have the complexity of the black and the white slave trade because the Sultan was taking white people. He was also taking black Africans to be, for his army and his eunuchs to guard the harem of all these women. And then um, we as uh, white people were begging all our kings to go and rescue the white people yet engaging in the black slave trade. So it's a very- mm, Wow, that's very interesting and very complicated. Yeah. It's, a, it's very complicated, but it's very interesting because you know there's a, a big thing about um, you know uh, Black Lives Matter and things at the moment. Of course they did. So we see the hypocrisy there that started you know, in this probably earlier, but in the 1700s. And um, yeah, so it's an interesting, it's got a lot of interesting bits and pieces in there. Well, it's very brave. I mean, we, we have a motto, uh, be brave. <laughs> so oh, yes, I, th yeah. I think it's incredibly brave of you uh, to not only change careers, but then to really pour yourself into something. And you've done it very thoughtfully. You know, you've worked your way through, you, you, you've done the course, the mini courses to as you work your way up the ladder and you know, you start with the mini film and worked your way to this. I think it's a really inspirational podcast. And I know that someone who's watching this or listening to this is going to uh, just feel the bravery that you have had to go forwards with it. And I do hope if you feel the bravery that Jane has just displayed uh, and just explained that you would support her in this, uh, it's going to be brilliant. I just know it. And I knew it the second I saw it. And I'm so delighted that Tech Pixies is a part of it. As you said, people, once, once they understand what it is, they want to be a part of it. And, you know, I just think it's absolutely fabulous what you're doing and, uh, and just want to thank you for being a woman in her, you know, fifties who says, I'm going to go and chase a dream I've always wanted and, and really does it. That's, that's very inspirational. And by doing that, you are opening the doors for other women who want to do the same thing. So thank you very much for that gift. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having me on your, um, your podcast. Thank you. No problem.